Good afternoon, everybody. Don't worry. Be happy. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome to the program, everybody. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend. Today, we're talking about finding happiness, even if you've got depression. We're going to be talking to the experts today, and they are going to give us insight into, you know, if you've been diagnosed with depression, what are some ways, some tools to, to help, you know, in a more healthy way, deal with it? We've got some great guests today. One woman today, a blogger, writer extraordinaire, is going to be joining us. Therese Borchard is going to be joining us. She's going to be teaching us every which way you – how do you say that? Every which way but loose. Have you ever heard that song? (laughs) Do you remember that song, Sean? Movie. Every which way but loose. What song was that, Sean? What was that from? The movie, Every Which Way But Loose. Oh, but didn't they sing it somewhere else? The uh, Bandit, Smokey the Bandit. Didn't they sing that song? Anyway. We're going to be talking about depression today. We're going to also be giving you 10 keys, 10 tools to deal with depression. We're going to, uh, at the very end of the show, be talking about what makes you happy. And if you have very specific ways that you found to be happy that are legal, ethical, and moral, we want to hear from you. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. 1-855-CHAT-BYU. Give us a call and tell us what makes you happy? What helps pull you out of a depressive kind of funk that you're in? Now, some people just can't be pulled out by a great thought. Some people have clinical depression, and some people need a lot of help, and some people, you know, it's harder to do that. Uh, And in fact, that's why we asked our very, very special guest uh, to kick off the show. His name is Mark Pond. Uh, His brother, Mike Pond, used to be on the show a a few months ago. And then he went on a trip, and here's his brother, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi, Matt. (laughs) Okay, you're Mike Pond. But I like to pretend like we forget your name because you've been gone. Oh, by the way, we haven't been properly introduced, Melina. My name is... Pond. Michael Pond. Makes me laugh every time. That is fantastic. It's good to be back, Matt. That's good audio. It is great audio. It's good to have you back. Again, I think we have you back for today. Today. And then I'll be gone for two weeks. And you're gone for two weeks, and you're going where? I am going to California. Hmm. Home. You going to hang out at the beach? Yeah, definitely. The You know, the surf, though, the surf is better in the winter. It's not as good in the summertime. Is it? Yeah, so. Well, that's sad. But, you know, it's good. I haven't been home in a year and a half, so it'll be nice to So it'll back. be very nice. By the way, the beach is a great way to deal with depression. It is. Get you some sun, sun some vitamin, vitamin D. D. Yeah. Mm. Okay, you've been doing research. I have been. You what, know, what have you learned about depression? You know, depression is a lot more common than, than yeah. I think most people uh, think. About one in five adults in the United States are affected with clinical depression. If we look around this studio right now, one of us could easily be dealing with depression. Yeah. It, I mean, the statistic, that's what the statistics show. And, I, I mean, it's even more startling to some people to know that that one in four adults will have some kind of a mental illness uh, in their lifetime but there's a lot of stigma that oh, surrounds depression people don't understand it i think i've had people that i don't think they get it they think depression is just uh, they're just lazy yeah they're or down it's a bad attitude yeah. uh you know it's it's just you're having trouble coping it's yeah, not a disease anymore it. no way i've seen full-on depressed people like can't get out of bed no, this is a biological problem. This yep. is not just you know a bad attitude. And sometimes it could be situational, right? So sometimes right. if your mother died, you could fall into a depression and that would be normal. And that may not be like major – you don't need a clinical intervention to get out of it. But 
for probably 20% of the population, their brain may not be making the chemistry. They may be having a chemical issue. And that's when, you know, you really need to go and get help. A lot of people go undiagnosed because of the stigma surrounding this. I've even asked people, so do you think you're depressed? Because everything you're saying says you're depressed. And they're like, ah, probably. No, no, I'm not. They're like, I don't know if I'm depressed. I'm like, what would you call it? I just have no energy. I think negative thoughts. I don't want to live. And I'm just really down all the time. They have a word for that. It's called depression. Yeah, <laughs> but it's depression. But it is part of it's because we don't talk about it, right? And part of it's because nobody wants to kind of admit it because we're afraid then we'll be ostracized. Yeah, I, I think that's a huge roadblock to to our recovery as a society from from uh, mental health disorders is that we we stigmatize depression and oh, yeah. other mental health oh, yeah. issues. Yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of looked at as this. Uh, it's unacceptable to feel vulnerable or to be considered weak. You know, yeah. we we don't want to get help, and yet everybody's everybody's going to have something. Come on, yeah. And do you think it's even more especially um, true for men because we kind of in at least in Western society we've got this idea that it's not okay for men to be vulnerable and show their feelings. Oh yeah, big boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. It's not okay to be weak. Well, and interestingly, I'm I'm pretty sure I don't have the data at on my fingertips here but you know what uh women tend to have more depression they're diagnosed at a much higher rate than men so i think a lot of men may not relate to the word depression that they might use the word funk yeah i'm just in a funk but the reality is funk is probably depression we just but then i think part of it's because we just got to be strong i saw with my own boy he's playing football yesterday was the first day they hit in pads now i've had Three boys go before him playing football. They all love him. I've actually had an ambulance ride with one of my children. I didn't. He went in an ambulance because uh, he broke his arm playing football. But this boy was playing for the first time, my youngest, and he got the crud beat out of him. It was a very bad first day, and so <laughs> I could see rough. right then. I could see little moments of boy, this cute little boy falling into a little funk. But then I sat there on the drive home because he kept crying during this practice. Because he got hit in the head hard. And, uh, how old and it, is this boy? He's 28. Okay. Uh, no, he's nine. Nine. Okay. But I kept going. He, he wanted me to keep coming over to him. And I'm like, that's the that's the kiss of death in football. You don't run over to your son yeah, unless no he's maimed or a bone is poking out. And so I didn't go over. I didn't dare go over. So now I, the stigma started coming into me like, oh, my heavens, I don't want to go pamper my boy. I don't want to go pamper him. But I went over to him and I basically said, and this was my mistake, Okay, you, you can't cry. You can't cry anymore. You don't. You can't cry right now. I mean, I know you want to. I really know you want to cry. I want to cry for you. Buck up, because this is football day one. And he's like, it's too hard. Anyway, that might be right. The stigma might just be in a man, but I think some of it is just being a human. Yeah, we see it as a weakness, and usually when someone's weak, we pull away, don't we? Oh, definitely. I, I have a friend who. Uh... She she was very open about her depression, and she she had a male friend who during one of her uh, more depressive episodes, uh, he he confided. This is actually what he said. He said, "When you were depressed, I was afraid to be around you for fear that I might catch your depression." And so mm. he split. Oh my heavens! You know, it, well, it, it's not. You know. It's not a virus. No, but he was so uncomfortable with the idea about about being around someone that was down that oh. he had he had to get out of there. And that see, that's so the sad. moment, right? That's the yeah. moment you need people to come closer, right? It's the yeah. moment you want someone to get closer. But 
this guy bails on her. We we don't know, I think, as a society how to help those around right. us that, that are depressed. We we don't have the tools. We don't have the knowledge. We don't understand it. That's right. And there uh, there was a survey done by the National Health uh, uh, the national excuse me the National uh, Mental Health Association, which revealed this was just a few years ago that forty three percent of Americans still believe that depression is the result of a, a weak will or some kind of a deficiency in one's character, and that oh. is so sad. Really? Okay, well, let's blow that up. Let's blow that up. That is – it's ridiculous. I just made up a word. That's ridiculous. 45 percent believe – 43. 43 percent believe that depression is just a sign of weakness. Okay. Not true. Not true. <laughs> no, it's, not it's, at all. It's a, it's a disorder. I mean it's a, it's a condition. It's, a, it's an issue. It's a, it's a, it's a painful – Lonely, real, biochemical reality. Yeah, it's like telling somebody who just broke their legs, like, Ugh, your bones are just yeah. weak. Yeah. Fuck up, boy. <laughs> yeah, man. Get stronger bones. You got weak bones. Yeah. Heal faster. Come on. Yeah. So today we're blowing this up. My bones are fine. Anybody out there in listener land, be thinking about the people you love. And when we talk about depression today, don't let it get you depressed, but sit there and think, maybe my mom's got this. Maybe that's what I'm seeing going through. I mean, a lot of people, as they age and get a little older and they're less able to do what they were going to do normally and have the life they wanted to have, guess what happens? All of a sudden, they get a little depressed. starts to hit them. So on the show today, stick with us. We're going to be discussing with author Therese Borchard. She's the author of the book Beyond Blue, Surviving Depression and Anxiety. She's going to talk about what it's like to be depressed, how she figured out she had depression, how she handled it, and how she moved beyond the blues. That's what we're doing on the show today. Gather around. Think of somebody in your life. Do they have this? Let's start showing more compassion for it, Uh, maybe a lot less judgment. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, we are talking about depression on the show. Uh, you know, I truly believe for something that is, you know, one of the most common mental health issues, you know, that we know and we talk about and we hear regularly in our lives, I think we know so very little about it, which is why today we wanted to get Therese Borchard on the phone. Therese is the author of a book, Beyond Blue. Surviving Depression and Anxiety, also um, wrote the book Making the Most of Bad Genes and The Pocket Therapist, an Emotional Survival Guide. She is an associate editor at Psych Central, where she contributes to the award-winning blog World of Psychology. She's also a writer on uh, for other outlets like uh, Huffington Post, PBS, This is This Emotional Life. For seven years, Therese also penned the popular blog Beyond Blue. At, uh, on the website beliefnet.com and moderated an online depression support group for over 2,000 people. She's been featured in every magazine you can imagine. Wall Street Journal, Atlantic, USA Today, O Magazine, Psychology Today, Parenting, Washington Post. She's been all over the place, and we asked her to be on our show today. Go to her website, TheresBorchard.com, and uh, and you can you can get all the information you need about her. Therese, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So good to have you. And I don't know. I don't think you were able to hear our earlier discussion, but 
Here's what we found out. In a study, in an article we were reading, they said 43% of the people think that depression is, it's just, it's kind of a weak, a person with weak will or a deficiency in their character. Can, Seriously? Yeah. Can we blow that up? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what year are we in? This is a, wow. this is a real deal. And I need you to teach us so we can blow that myth up. Wow. So those are statistics for today? Yeah. Those are the statistics for today. To blow, wow. And we're blowing them up right now. <laughs> Can you believe that? So, wow. so explain to us depression. Well, I think even though we have all of this knowledge about depression and um, neuroscience and um, just study after study coming out, I still think that most people think that depression is the blues and having a bad day and situational downs that you get after you've been fired and yeah. so, so and so. Um, you just got to snap out of it. Right, right. Just got snap out of it. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, I, I think the effort to um, get out of depression and all of the research on meditation and nutrition and all of these things that I do on a daily basis to um, help my depression, they can also, I think, be um, manipulated to think that, well, then why aren't, why, why can't everyone do yoga and it goes away? Or why right. can't everyone um, eat green smoothies in the morning like I do with a probiotic and it will go away? So I think as, as much information as we're um, pushing towards recovery and different ways of uh, recovering for depression. I think that is somewhat contributing to the fact that um, people don't understand that it is a medical condition. Yeah. I mean, it is a medical condition equal to any other medical condition, really. I mean, it, it's a medical condition. It's if, if you need insulin, your body needs insulin. You yeah, can't will I, I, it back. I was just um, writing a piece um, for next week or the week after on what what causes depression, and I was um, discussing the theory of the neurotransmitters and how that's so easy to understand um, because, you know, the Zoloft ad with the sad egg that can't chase the butterfly, and, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, all of the, the one, the neurotransmitter just has to make it to the other neuron and, and we're all happy and keen, but... The newer research is it's, it's so much more sophisticated and complex than that. There's there's faulty brain wiring, you know, the frontal mm. um, prefrontal lobe. There's brain atrophy. Um, Peter Kramer says that depression is the most devastating disease known to mankind because of the neurogenesis that's that's lost and the death of brain cells. And then there's hormonal balances, imbalances, genetics. Mm. Um, so so much more that goes into it. Uh, that needs to be understood today than just the one, you know, neurotransmitter not making it to the other one. What I love about, um, you're obviously a great writer and a great researcher and well-read, but you yourself are, you've been dealing with depression. You're combating depression. Is that, is that what got you into this so deeply? Yes. Yes. I've been combating it my whole life and I guess it just makes me so angry when people say, well, you know, why don't you just um, run around, you know, why don't yeah. you just run 
exercise, swim. Yeah. Just I, I get, do get out in the sun. Things. Just get out in the sun. Yeah, right. Get out in the sun. I mean, I, I do. I the piece that you had mentioned, ten um, ten things I did to beat depression. I I just do all of those things. Yeah. Um, and and they all help a little bit, but I still have this chronic treatment resistant depression that I've suffered with my life. And I um, when I had my severe breakdown, I just made a promise to God that if I ever wanted to live again, that I would dedicate my life to educating people and to finding, um, helping people find hope oh, wow. that are in this condition. So it, that's an interesting, and, and did that help revive you? Did that help it give has, you back yeah. I mean, life? I, it, it has, I think, more probably than anything. I just finished um, Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, love it, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he has those three things that you can find meaning and. One is in relationships and love, and one is project. And the third one is you can find meaning in suffering or suffering gracefully and Mm. teaching others how to suffer and making the most of. And after I finished that book, I realized that it really is my my meaning in life is to offer hope to people who have treatment-resistant depression or who have situational depression and um, think that it's not ever going to get better and offering that hope that that even if you have chronic symptoms for the rest of your life, you can still live a very full life. That is, and that, tell me that's not hope that we all need to hear. And then again, sadly, the person out there listening right now that, you know, is in the throes of depression can hear it, but I guess they're, what would they be feeling, Therese? What, what do they feel when they're hearing something that's hopeful and you're stuck and you're in a hole of depression? Your perspective, I think you just, the, the one thing that has always helped me when I am stuck in that place is to know that it won't always be that way. You, you're just, your perspective is skewed and you just don't think that there's anything beyond that state that you're in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, well, how hopeful is that? Just kind of, kind of like tomorrow the sun will rise and it will bring about a different day. But I guess one of the dilemmas then is, the the pattern in your brain that creates that has the depression that creates the depression it then alters your thinking which probably alters your feeling which probably alters your doing then you do stuff that just tends to reinforce or you don't do things i guess that reinforce more of a depression so it's almost you're stuck in a cycle either any way you get in you're kind of stuck by your thinking or your feeling or your chemistry or your inactivity you stay it stuck. Is. It's uh, the neurogenesis or the, you know, the, the neuroplasticity that, that we're talking about today that in like um, Buddha's brain and, you know, there's been tons of study on yeah. train, your, train your brain. I think it's all very hopeful because um, we can form new grooves in our pathways, but it also is, um, it can become for a person like myself stuck in treatment resistant depression. You're afraid that every thought you have is going to mire yourself in a deeper depression. Right. Yeah. So now you're like, now you're neurotic and depressed. <laughs> you are. You are. Um, but it's, um, I, I think if I've heard one thing that's helpful, it's that everything changes, mm. you know, that every, everything changes. And so um, nothing in this life is static. Oh, isn't that, it's so funny because that's such a relief. For somebody that's caught up in depression, yet but for the other person that just loves life as it is, they're like, "Don't tell me it's going to change." Don't right, isn't right. that it's so it's so that just shows you really how this world works, right? The yin, right. the yang. We need both sides of it, and there's this consistency that tomorrow's another day. 
Right, the impermanence. I yeah. think that's the wisdom that I've gained in living with this. It's just the impermanence of everything, and which, yeah, which is too bad when thought life is going well. But <laughs> yeah, right. But but still, too, it's probably you know it might be better to get ahead of the curve. You know, let let it hit you when it's going well instead of letting it hit you when it's really not going well. Right. <laughs> um, I love to just because uh, when we come back from the break, I want you to get into the ten things that you do every d- day to kind of beat depression. But uh, I love that you're, you're telling us there's hope. Um, there's a consistency of change. Change is going to be here. Tomorrow's another day. Um, but what have you learned about you? What have you learned about Therese Bochard, about this, about your ability to do this? I've learned that I can be in extreme pain and still find meaning in life. Hmm. You know, I think that um, people who live with a chronic illness, I just read uh, Tony Bernhardt's uh, How to Be Sick, and she talks, she had a, a chronic fatigue syndrome that she has, like, flu-like symptoms all the time that she can't get rid of. And Ugh. she talks about that ultimate acceptance of when, when you know that it might not get better, but that you're okay with what is. That's beautiful. It's so powerful how so much of your, so many of your answers are just, it's about meaning. You have to... You have to create a meaning or and find the hope in a thought, you know. Right. Um, it's powerful. We're going to take a break. Again, we're talking with Therese Borchard. She is the author of Beyond Blue, Surviving Depression and Anxiety. Uh, great guest. And uh, go to her website, thereseborchard.com. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, are you or is somebody that you love suffering with depression? One in five people, the statistics tell us, will uh, have to deal with depression in their life. And we wanted to give you some tools, some ideas on the program today. And really, if we can, blow up the myth that depression is something, you know, that just weak-minded people get. This is not... A character issue. If somebody has depression, they have a true blue medical issue. They have a chemical issue. They have a lot of things going on. It's a complicated issue. So we wanted to bring in our expert today. Therese Borchard is her name. She is um, she's a, a writer. She's a blogger. She uh, blogs and is an associate editor at Psych Central, where she contributes to the award-winning blog World of Psychology. She's also a writer and has written stuff for the Huffington Post and PBS, This Emotional Life. She's the author of the book Beyond Blue, Surviving Depression and Anxiety. And uh, herself, Teresa, is actually suffering with her own depression and has been putting together a lot of learning that we are all now going to benefit from. Teresa Borchard, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you so much. Good to have you back. Now, talk to us. Teach us what... I know you've put together a list of 10 things that you do every day to beat depression. So this is kind of your way, Therese. You figured out a little bit more of your code, what you need for you. 
I did. I um, I do take medication, so I, I didn't list that on there because I wanted to express that you need to augment it with all these other things. Yeah. And that it's, you know, not just, I used to think that, like the Zoloft ad, if you, you know, if you take the pill, then you, the happy, the happy egg comes and the happy egg <laughs> wants to chase the butterfly. Yeah, if we go. <laughs> and I realized that that's probably only like 20 to 25% yeah. and you have to go the other way yourself. So, so, so that, that, to me, that's so important because with all kind of, the, of these mental health issues, it's, you hear a lot of drugs, you know, being prescribed and being, you know, marketed, but in reality, they don't all work. They all have some sort of side effect, but it's just a part of the equation. And then there's a bunch of other stuff you still have to do. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. I think it stabilizes you enough so that you can do the other stuff. Yeah, that's great. So but, give us, um, what, like, what do you do? So this, is this kind of your regimen every day? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, the, I think the most potent um, tool against depression in my life has been exercise. Hmm. Um, and I don't want to be like Tom Cruise and say, you know, yeah. all you have to do is <laughs> <laughs> jump on a couch running. on Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but I do think and um, I run a support group for depression of about 900 people. And I tend to say that most of them would agree with me that um, the exercise is probably the it relieves it the most. Oh, and it's it's I guess, and you know, chemically, you're going to get serotonin and dopamine and it's going to create a nice little high for you. But just, too, you're getting out of the house, you're active, you're doing something. Right. It's those benefits, too, of feeling good about yourself, of the, um, you know, it's the physiological endorphins and all that. But it's also the accomplishment that I, yeah, that I did something, that I, um, and the outside, if you're outside. And um, for me, the, I swim. And so I think that swimming in particular is good because it's like a moving meditation. The, mm-hmm. Your breath work is, you know, I breathe every three strokes, and so it's, that's kind of a moving meditation, which is very helpful in the water and it's very calming. Oh, that's a great. I haven't, I, and I've done that. I've, I, I've been swimming to it and I've thought it is meditative and you're so in your head, aren't you? Because you're so, it's just you and you're breathing you in are, this next yeah. stroke. And you're like in your own world. It's, yeah. it's, you can't hear anything. Yeah. It's, um, it, well, until you swim into like some 70 year old woman doing water aerobics. <laughs> Then it's a whole different game. I, uh, yeah, I, with a group. And, <laughs> that yeah, messes when I'm everything back, up. One guy, his toes are not very pretty, and that's not very meditative. <laughs> that's enough to make anybody sick. So, but the, the swimming is really. Um, I, I I have never thought of that though. It's it is. It's it's kind of a. It's a subtle meditation. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, the um, the breath work I think is is yeah. really important. Although I did, I have to say. Um, I went a little overboard, as I sometimes do, and I, <laughs> I trained for the um, bay swim, the Chesapeake oh, Bay. Oh, did you really? Swam across the Chesapeake Bay, yeah. So I was really happy that I um, accomplished that, but I, I messed up my shoulder. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> so now I'm back to running again. See, can I just tell you, that's why being an underachiever pays. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like to just hold back and just try to get through life with as little as possible. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> it's so. It sounds so depressing and bad, but honestly, never pull my shoulder out. Well, you know, everything in moderation, even moderation. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so swimming, uh, that's a great tool. And again, um, you know, somebody, I guess, might, they might have another form of exercise. but Right. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. R- running has been good. Or even walking. I think there was a study that said even um, like gardening, 20 minutes of gardening has mm-hmm. mood benefits. So, um 
and, and one book I read said 30 minutes of sweating a day, but, you know, again, any, any type of moving yeah. at all is, um, studies have said that it's, um, it can be as beneficial as Zoloft or medication. Or, you Did know. you hear the recent, so we just had a study we talked about a couple of days ago about uh, people that come home exhausted from work and then sit and watch TV, they tend to get, they tend to feel guilty and fall into more of a funk, a depression. Yeah, well, that yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, j- just the mere fact that you're moving uh, is probably psychologically going to pay off. Right, right. And and I was seeing a chiropractor <laughs> right now because of my shoulder, and he was talking about how um, as primitive beings we're meant to move. We're not meant oh, yeah. to stay still. And so, you know, our, we're hardwired for movement, and we're hardwired especially for walking and being upright. And even sitting on a chair um, for eight hours is not what we're meant to do. Interesting. Yeah. He so must I, hate lazy boy chairs. <laughs> I said, well, what do I do when I'm riding? And he said, well, there's stand-up. Um, yeah. And I, I, I don't think I'm going to go that far. <laughs> no, we, we had a guest on that does the stand-up thing. He even does it on a treadmill. And I think really? I can't remember the numbers, but it increases his effectiveness by like twenty percent. He thinks. I think that huh. is the research. If you actually, they have little foot pedal things that you you run your feet on these pedals or push these pedals, kind of like a bicycle, while you're riding and typing. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's I couldn't do it. I'm not that yeah. coordinated. I'd probably end up being <laughs> caught under the treadmill, burning. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's cool. That is cool. So that's that's something for you to go work on. Yes, thank call, you. Call me after you figure that out <laughs> and shoot a video of it and put it on your next blog. <laughs> I want to see it. your next your next vlog. Um, talk about uh, your, you you also do the recording joy. You you write I, down what's working, what's good. I literally do. Um, my husband always snoops on there to see if he made the list. <laughs> Did he make the he list? Really... <laughs> Not this week, honey. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> But it is a reminder, you know, I, I tend to be, because I've always struggled with depression, I tend to be kind of a see the half glass empty. Yeah. And so this exercise kind of trains me to look for these these special moments throughout my day. And they can be very little, you know, as um, my daughter is still wants to hold my hand and so she'll grab my hand as we go across the street. And that's, you know, that's a wonderful thing. And just um, just small movements so that I'm not constantly thinking, when am I going to feel better? When am I going to feel better? Sure. I can just, you know, capture those those small moments of 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 feeling good in my day. Do you do you actually write them down, or do you do. just do you write them down real time? Uh huh. I so do. Great. I have a mood journal. That's my um, besides the Bible. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> your your, it's your two my, top uh, books. Secret. Yeah, it's uh, I, I record everything in there, and um, and on one side is a list of joys. Mm. So I think the process of actually writing it down, um, I read a research uh, study that said one time that writing down your thoughts and then actually if you write down your negative thoughts and then throwing them away, throwing them actually in a wastebasket helps you to eliminate them. Oh, I love I that, think, yeah. Yeah, I think that the, the exercise of just writing it um, does sort of put into your memory in a little extra way, um, this was good today and, you know. Make sure to remember it. And you do that, so that was your second tip, but you also, you don't just write down like the joys that you see every day, but you also intentionally list your accomplishments as part of that. 
I do. The other side, yeah. So I have like, I divided in fours. And um, the other side is my accomplishments. And I started to do that when I was too depressed to work. And as someone who's always attached her self-esteem to career or mm-hmm. being able to achieve something at work, I was devastated when I wasn't able to do anything. And so my therapist told me to just start with the small basics. I took a shower. I, you know, ate a full breakfast. Yeah. I called my mom. So I've, I've um, been doing that even, you know, when I feel a little bit better. And I'm careful not to um, include all my work stuff, um, make, that the, make that the focus. But instead, you know, I helped a friend who was struggling with anxiety. I, I talked to my mom. I went to the grocery. I um, did this for my husband. I try and write him notes, emails, kind of love letters every day. And so, um, so I make sure to list those things because not every day is a good work day for me. Sometimes my brain just doesn't work. Yeah. And if I can try and get my self-esteem by doing other things than, you know, cranking out a blog post, then uh, that helps me. How powerful uh, that, I mean, these ideas, I guess, I mean, sure, they're they're here to help somebody that's de- that's trying to deal with depression. But every one of them, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I should do that. Yep. Oh, I should do that too. That's really good. I mean, it's cool because you're you're noticing the small things, which probably tend to not be noticed by you if you're in that state. Right. The small things. I think living with depression, especially treatment resistant depression, is all about the small things. Yeah. And, you, you know what? Um, That's what life's about, isn't it, Therese? Yeah, it really is. I guess the more the older I get, the more I really feel like it's it's the moment if i can just you know just try and not project what the future is going to be if i can just try my best to live in the moment such great advice we're going to take a break Therese. when we come back uh we're going to continue the list seven more things that we should be doing every day this is what Therese has found works for her just ideas for you uh but man so far i'm thinking I, i've either got depression or i just need to do these two Excellent stuff from Therese Borchard. Go check out her website, thereseborchard.com. Again, she's the author of Beyond Blues, Surviving Depression and Anxiety. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are tackling the uh, depression and the belief that it's just, you know, come on, buck up. It's not a big deal. It's a big deal, friends, and it's impacting about 20% of the population, which means in your family, you're probably battling it. Somebody in your family may have it, maybe mom, a sister, family member, friend. On the phone is Therese Borchard. She is an author of the book Beyond Blue, Surviving Depression and Anxiety. She moderates um, an online depression support group of over 2,000 people. Her work's been featured on the Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, uh, USA Today, you name it, O Magazine, Psychology Today, Parenting Magazine. She's everywhere, and she's teaching us right now the 10 things that she does every day to beat depression. Now, this isn't the all-encompassing list. This is just the stuff she has found out works to help to combat her depression. Therese, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Good to have you. And so far, we've talked about swimming, 
recording your joys and listing your accomplishments. What is number four? It is laughing, which is the oh, most fun. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> yes. I mean, if people it's say it's too much, my favorite thing. It's like, you need something else. <laughs> well, I find it interesting that most of the comedians have struggled at some yeah. time. Um, Robin Williams. And just, they Go down all, the list, yeah. Yeah. That I think that Charlie Chaplin has a great quote that to truly laugh, you need to take your pain and be able to play with it. Mm. And um, I think, you know, I, I even just got a, an email today from Laugh MD, uh, a movement for them to put entertaining videos into psych wards and so forth. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, when I was hospitalized, they did, um, one of the nurses uh, had us watch a, a comedian. And at the time, I thought, I just didn't really think it was appropriate since most of us wanted to die. And I yeah. thought, you know. But the climate of the room really changed after it. Everybody loosened up, and your perspective does change. You you get a sort of um, space between, I guess, your pain and yeah. um, reality. I guess that, that's that perspective. You start to get a different look at it. Plus, it's chemical as well, right? I mean, you get a yes. big you get a big endorphin play every time you laugh. Yes, you do. Yeah, crying and laughing. They're mm. they're they're too. Um, yeah, and, and and laughing is much more fun than crying. So. What happens if you do them both simultaneously? <laughs> well, I have. Have you? <laughs> yeah, all the time. Isn't it like, it's it's funny. That's a great way to deal with a tragedy sometimes, I guess, is laugh and cry. And I mean, I, I did that through uh, a friend of ours passed away, and they just put about 10 of us in a room and asked us to tell stories. And we told the stories, and we laughed, and we cried, and we laughed, yeah. and we cried, and it was the yeah. most cathartic thing I've ever done. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. What? Uh, so, how do you get laughter in your life? Do you just intentionally try to laugh, or do you have to go watch a thirty-minute sitcom every night? <laughs> um, I have. Fortunately, I have a lot of friends who are are hysterical. That's great. So, um, yeah, and one of them especially tends to uh, mock his obsessions. You know, he becomes <laughs> obsessed that his toe is itching, and then he thinks he's going to have to cut it off, and then he wonders how he's going to, you know. It's just, <laughs> it never <so>. ends. <laughs> That's great. He, um, whenever I start, you know, kind of obsessing or worrying, we, we, we joke about it. I, yeah. Yeah. And he plays with you, and, and it's healing. Yeah, it is. It's very healing. And then the group that I um, moderate, um, they're always posting funny, um, funny stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah. That's why uh, being in a group like that is healthy, I think, because... Right when you need a laugh, there might be one there. Or if you go research your group, you know, your your posts, the past posts, you'll find something. Right. Yeah. I, we, ha- we have a couple laughs every day. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very therapeutic, I think. Well, it seems like it segues nicely into meditate. They, they seem like different things, but every, every one of these, it, you know, it's not like just go talk to your therapist. Every one of these are therapeutic, but meditation... Is, is also getting back into your mind, back into your meaning. I have struggled with meditation. You know, I, every time I log on to a uh, health website, I see the studies that say meditation is um, so effective for treating depression and right. disorders. That, but I had the hardest time sitting down. And I think for people who are, tend to be on the go and exercise is their form of therapy, I, um, I just really had a hard time. And so I took the... Um, the mindfulness-based stress reduction course at the hospital. It was an eight-week intensive course, and they had to. We had to meditate for a half hour to forty-five minutes every day um, for this eight weeks. Wow! And 
yeah, and I really noticed a difference. Um, and so I, uh, John Kabat-Zinn is the one who designed yeah. the program. You know, yeah. And um, so I have been, ever since I graduated from the program, um, I've been able to ca- keep up with about 15 minutes of, of meditation. And I, I don't know if my, I, I, I do think it's effective. I think even just focusing on sound, I focus on sound a lot and focus on my breathing mm-hmm. and um, just try to let go of the thoughts and just be. I think, I think doing that every day is helpful. And I, I think it doesn't have to be a certain amount of time. It, it seems like the idea, and I'm not good at it, except I can put it in like a mindfulness CD or like a yeah. meditation CD. And then, I mean, it works like I'm sleeping and I'm, you're not supposed to, but I'm sleeping in like six minutes. But I, so what that means to me is it's, I guess, turning off my normal thought pattern and putting yeah. me, and so that's the reboot. It seems like that's what would be healthy for, for the it process. It's like it. a reboot. It's like um, delete yeah. command. Control all delete. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's my favorite <laughs> command. Um, talk about uh, another one is you. You suggest we take D. You take D H A and vitamins. I do the um, the the actual uh, EPA um, Omega Bright has a formula for mood disorders that it's actually more EPA um, for anxiety and so forth, and DHA. DHA, I guess your brain is made up um, a fourth of DHA. Now, what is I DHA? Think, I have, oh, uh, I know, the, um, yeah. Shoot, I forget what it's stands yep. for. Um, we'll look it up. And Yeah, but, um, but I do think, and I've noticed a difference with my son who has anxiety and OCD and also ADHD. I think the... Um, more than anything, more than any supplement, the, um, the fish oil has really helped him. Oh, it helps yeah. with his concentration. It really, um, just like a just like an omega fish oil. Yeah, omega three cod, um, cod yeah. liver. Yeah, it's. Um, oh yeah. I, I, DHA, I DHA by the it. way is docosahexaenoic acid. Okay, I'm glad that you said that. I just butchered it. I just butchered it. But um, so fish oil, omega threes. That I mean, it's so amazing. My sister just said you ought to be taking some more omega threes. I actually yeah. used to take omega threes until a study came out saying it increased your cholesterol. And then I'm like, oh great. And then yeah, I talked to my doctor. He's like, don't worry so about it. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it. I think you it. need the cholesterol. Your brain needs the cholesterol. Yeah. No, exactly. It's like a healthy fat or whatever. And then the two other vitamins that I think are really helpful for depression are vitamin D. So many people who are depressed are just vitamin D deficient. Um, I think that everybody should get checked for that if they feel symptoms. Yeah. Because it could just be easy as, as getting some vitamin D. And um, vitamin B12. Yeah. Um, those, those two, I think, are the most important for, um, for depression as well as the, the EPA, DHA. Man, that's... But see, and to me, that's healthy, and you're already seeing it make a difference. That's why I think we're really on the cusp of figuring it out. It, 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 we're barely just getting into what these vitamins and these minerals are doing for people. We haven't known, and now right. we're starting to figure some stuff out. Yeah, it's great. I, I think you're right. And it's, it's especially neat to see it in my son, because I can't really tell if it's working with me, but his behavior is pretty clear, and yeah. um, you can tell when... You know, the, the fish oil, I think, has made a difference with his attention. You bet. Hey, we've got we've only got a couple more minutes. So another one is to drink a power smoothie. Uh, and I guess if we're going to do that, your preference would be green. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, the, the yeah. point of that is just that I take a probiotic, and I think yeah. I've been reading about gut health, and your, your brain is only as healthy as your gut, and your gut is home to all the um, serotonin. Oh, yeah. So I think by taking a probiotic, you're helping your gut. Oh, that's great. I don't want you to bring up my gut, but I appreciate that. <laughs> um, uh, eight uh, is avoid sugar and grains. Yes, and I'm a big um, fan of the Grain Brain book. I think that a lot of people who are depressed have um, gluten sensitivities and sugar. Um, those are the things that inflame your brain, which, which can, you know, have, be a depre- depression, yeah. basically. And then a nine is use your sun lamp. That's easy. Just get a sun lamp, and I use it not so much in the summer, but um, during the winter. Um, you, you just put like, it, well, you just sit in front of it and... Yeah, I just work with it. That's great. And my treadmill. Just kidding. Yeah, on your treadmill. <laughs> you got a really big power bill. <laughs> yeah, that's when that your little uh, your little power reader is out there just spinning around. <laughs> oh, she must be working. Last but not least, and I I think it's my favorite because it seems so basic but so just helpful is pray. Exactly, and I I have this different as meditation. Meditation for me is like the mental health exercise, yeah. but prayer to me is just connecting with God and. Basically, I just say, make me an instrument of your peace. Whatever, you know, I can do today to help people find hope, just yep. help me do it. St. Francis of Assisi, right? Isn't he right. the one that says that? And that's yep. that's one of my favorite quotes. That's what I think all the time. And plus, what I love is it ties back to your earlier kind of goal with God that said, look, if you can get me back to a place where I want to live, I'll, I want to change the world. I'll be an instrument of your peace. Right. Therese, you're amazing. I think well, thank you. very it's inspirational. Very fun being on your show. Great having you on the show. Everybody, go check out her website, TheresePorchard.com. Go get the book, Beyond Blue, Surviving Depression and Anxiety. Good luck to you, Therese. And, thank you uh, so much. You bet. Best of Appreciate luck. It. Stay healthy. Stay happy. We're going to take a break. Again, this is the Matt Townsend Show today, combating the uh, myths of depression right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Today, I will be your mental health coach, walking you through the ins and outs of depression. I'm telling you, 20% of the population suffering with depression. And the earlier hour, we've been talking about depression and how some, you know, some people that have the disorder can try to deal with it. But what if you have someone in your group of friends or in your family that has depression? What can you do? Our producer, Sean O'Neill, has some advice that he has been researching. Sean, what have you found? Well, uh, I found a little article on 10 ways to help someone who is depressed. There we go. So thought we'd run through some of these. Well, why don't we just, we could just do what Therese said. We could take them swimming. There you go. Force them to record their joys. List my accomplishments. At gunpoint, is that what you're talking (laughs) about? It sounds like a bad friendship, but good that's, for depression. That's why you did Deer Hunter 2014. That's, right. that's exactly why I did. Oh, there it is. Okay. So what what are the 10 things? Well, number one is to recognize the symptoms. Yes. See the symptoms, signs, mm-hmm. you know, what, what which are, are. But what are the symptoms? Yeah. 
Uh, Come on. Tired, <laughs> exhausted, not well, yeah, wanting to be involved, persistent, persistent sadness or anxious yeah. or empty sort of mood, mm-hmm. feelings of hopelessness, pessimism. Man, this is our last meeting. Feeling of guilt, worthlessness, helplessness. That is our team meeting. Isn't it? <laughs> we are sick. That's why we brought cake to the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Bring sugar next time, yeah. But lo- loss of interest or pleasure in hobbies and activities that were once enjoyed. Yeah, stuff they love to do they're not doing anymore. Including intimacy. Ah, so that's a sign. Yes. That is a big sign. Uh, decreased energy. Fatigue. Oh, so you know, slowing that. down. Yeah. Or difficulty concentrating, making decisions. I it, that's that's me right there. I am always the last to order. Are you really? at a restaurant? Are you really in my family? I, yes, I make it fast because I want it over with. I can't. I I can never decide when I go into a restaurant what I want to eat. Really? Yeah. It's and the, or when I go to a, that, a fast food place. You know that increases your buyer's remorse. Just yeah. so you know. Not always. Well, you not when so it's a really good thing. piece. Yeah, <laughs> when it comes you know. out really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, appetite or weight loss or overweeding and weight gain. Yeah. Uh, thoughts of death or suicide, suicide attempts. That's a, that's probably a big one. That's probably a big sign. Mm-hmm. And phys- persistent physical symptoms that do not respond to treatment. So if you see like those. headaches, digestive orders, and chronic pain. If, if you, you see that yeah. in your friends or your family members. You, you might suspect. Yeah, there's some depression. Exactly. Okay. I then mean, what? obviously you're not a. You're not a doctor. A, a doctor that can. Well. But you hopefully some maybe of you, you can, aren't. Yes, <laughs> but that's the next. That, so that's number two. If you see these symptoms, number two is convince this person to get treatment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's got to. I'm, I'm thinking that's got to be the hardest one. I think that is the hardest. And but sometimes if you're really close to them, you could just leverage the relationship and just say, well, if that's, you won't do it for anyone yeah, else, that's some just of the things do it later. For me. But also now, if if this is your child that yeah. you're talking about, you need to help them. Mm-hmm. And be with them through the whole process. Yeah. Take their hand. Exactly. Find a doctor. Get to the doctor. And mm-hmm. I'll just interject something here, though, that with suicide, though, there is an asterisk that if they do talk about suicide in any way, shape, or form, then with or without their consent, you need to find help. Yeah. You that's know? a that's – a, that's an mm-hmm. indicator that you must act. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, there's no more time to convince them or try mm-hmm. to right. hold their hand or anything. You you really yes. need to act and get and some I'm help. And if you're really worried, I'm even big if they're adult. And if they're younger, I would just get everyone to gather around, grab them, throw them in the truck, and get them to the doctor. Sure. But you can call authorities. Way. You can have police come, mm-hmm. and they'll take them to a clinic. I mean, they'll, they'll, there's stuff you can do if you're worried about that. If you're a friend and you of, of somebody, maybe a teenager or something, yeah. and you see that your friend is doing something like this, let the parents know. That's right. Oh, yeah. Tell tell your tell Don't, everybody around. You know I mean, what? Get help. It's, it's better that your friend might hate you and they're still around. Yeah. Then your friend not be around, and then you have to have that in your mind for the rest of your life. I probably should have done more. Exactly, done. and it's not that you just do what you can. But if you are a teen, talk to somebody, get your parents involved, and get help. Exactly. Now you also want to tell the depressed person that they're loved. Yeah, you want you want to show them that you care about them, and that they deserve to feel better. Mm-hmm. Let them know that you know this isn't something that you. Yeah, have you to didn't earn this. Exactly. Yeah. You can and you can make this better. If you go get treatment, more than likely this is going to improve. Such great advice. Just give love. Mm-hmm. Reinforcement. Don't judge, don't beat them up. I think before you do that though, one of the steps that I don't that isn't really in here, you may need to research where 
they can get the treatment. Yeah. Well, and if you noticed with Therese earlier, it's it all depends on who you're talking to. Yes. So some are going to take a holistic approach. Some oh, are going to yeah. just get your drugs. Mm-hmm. Some are going to, you know, do different therapies and different things. So research, you've got to know. And mm-hmm. I also believe you don't ever think you ever are going to end. This is something we're right. going to have to figure out for the rest of our life. Because mm-hmm. one chemical change in you, puberty. Oh, that's true. Right? Mm-hmm. One or uh, menopause, all of a sudden the whole game changes again. Yes, it does. Now, if the if the person that you're suspecting that has depression is not functioning, maybe you need to accompany them to the treatment yeah. until some some normality returns. Make a lunch date. Hang mm-hmm. out. Be their pal. Be there. Exactly. I think that's huge. I, I just sit here and I think guys doing this, this is going to be so foreign mm-hmm. for a bunch of guys to just... Oh, yes. I'm worried about you. I mean, it's we got to overcome some of the machismo and just care enough True. to say... Dude, we need to do this. Exactly. Now, um, well, number seven, if they're, if this person is, you know, suicidal or having hallucinations or delusions, mm-hmm. you got to arrange for some sort of hospitalization. Yeah, immediately. That's, that's, that's a given. Um, now, if they're functional and they refuse treatment, ask others to help you. Yeah, build a— Have an intervention. Yeah, yeah build a, co- uh, a mm-hmm. coalition. Friends, doctors, clergy, mm-hmm. relatives— Anyone who might convince the, that person that treatment is needed and will help them. Yeah. And don't give up too soon. Yeah, that's, this is a long-term that, play. It this is. is a marathon. And it's just, you're not, but it's not all in one day. No. Nope. You just need to run a tenth of a mile mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> just a tenth of a mile every day. So if, if attempts have, have failed at treatment, and they're ha- and it's having a demoralizing impact on on people around the depressed person. Mm-hmm. Maybe some further action is needed. You might have a supervisor threaten some personnel action. There you go at work. Yeah, um, a spouse with the assistance of a mental health specialist can explore separation. I've I've had clients say, and we've decided together that just saying we're done if you're not going to do exactly with this. this isn't working, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to sit here and watch you fall apart. But, well, you want to help somebody, but you can't help them. All the way, unless right. they're going to help themselves. And, you know what? Honestly, every time I've ever seen that done, it's worked. Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to lose you. And they right. also – but they need the impetus. They need a push. But the thing is, if you – just just start something. Yeah. If nothing else, let the person know, hey, this is – I've noticed these things about you. Or, you know, maybe we should go have you talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, how do you feel about this? Yeah. Give them the signs that you're noticing too. Yeah. I've noticed that you're sitting around more than you ever have. For somebody that's always down in their studio, I'm noticing you're not in your studio. Yeah. And just give them the data first and then invite them. Beg with them. Plead. Do whatever you can. But love them, most importantly. Let them know you love them and you're not – exactly. You're never going away, so you're never going to not stop dealing with this. You're going to be here every day to talk about it. Yep. Huge. Great advice. Shawnee. Woo! That's great advice. By the way, my wife loves the fact that you call me that. Does she? Yeah. It's a great name. It's very Irish. Irish. Is that how you say it? Irish. There you go. My little (laughs) leprechaun. Shawnee (laughs) O'Neill. Oh, this is great. Tons of fun. We're going to take a break. We're coming back with Heather Johnson. She's in studio. She's going to be talking about children and depression. One of our great contributors. Get ready. 
Buckle up. Heather Johnson back here on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show in the house. Heather Ann Johnson. So good to be here. Good to have you. MS doesn't stand for miss. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. It stands for a lot of years in school. Stands for somebody's trying to compensate. <laughs> That's me. I've got a PhD. I don't want to brag, but uh, I'm a big deal. You, you kind of a big deal. deal. Did you get that? That was amazingly good timing. Um, B-A-M-A-M-A PhD. EMT. That's a lot of years in school. Yeah. Yeah. You have a good wife. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I did all of this is to figure out our all, all of our issues. We're trying to work it out without, you know, getting therapy. Heather, thanks for being here. No problem. Um I met your husband. Yes. He's strapping. He he is strapping. <laughs> I, That's a funny word. I, but I support that. 100%. He's a tall, big, buff dude. He is. He is great. What what's the deal with all of our all of our um what do we call you? Uh, contributors. Sure. I was going to call you coordinators, but that sounds weird. Um, all of our contributors have these husbands that feel a need to protect them from us. <laughs> I don't know why. You're kind of scary. I t- tell me about it. So here's the deal. Today we're talking depression. Yep. Now you are the queen, and we got to get all your your accolades out there because you look at this. You um you have your own show basically. Listen to your mother. Yes, I produce and direct the Listen to Your Mother show once a year. Yep. Which is huge. It, it, My sister even again told me, you've got to get people from the Listen to Your Mother program to come in and be on the show. Well, we should start arranging that, especially leading up to next year's show. So we kind of yes. get word Yeah. And that's, that's huge. But you're passionate about families. Mm-hmm. You teach here on campus at BYU. You're an adjunct faculty member. You're a big deal. Yeah. Oh, well, it's fun. This is good stuff. I mean, families, kids, parenting, it's tough. And all of a sudden, you're this happy little family. Everything's great. And one of your kids, as they're getting a little older, starts to manifest signs of depression. Right. What on earth do you do? Because first you panic, or first you think they're just an underachiever. And right. come on, you're so lazy. Stop it. Quit it. So you Snap put together some tools for us, some rules to help us parent children who might be going through this. Right. Because it gets really tricky. The interesting thing is until about 20 years ago, which might sound like a long time, but no, isn't no. that long ago. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> we didn't even long. recognize depression in children. In fact, we didn't really feel it was something that they struggled with when they were really? small. And so it's only been in the last 20 years or so that we've actually said, oh, kids get depressed they suffer from depression well what do we think was what do we think was going on with those children <laughs> well the hard That's thing is crazy symptoms of depression they mimic symptoms of adhd yeah. very closely and so yeah. we'd get those misdiagnosed those confused the other thing is think about children's development patterns there's a lot of crazy stuff that goes on oh yeah you know one day they're happy the next day they're miserable one yeah. day they have a friend the next day they can't stand. yeah they're suffocating their it brother is. <laughs> it is they're constantly evolving and changing just to figure out who they are and so it was quick for doctors to say oh those are developmental 
developmental stages. They're right. just two. Yeah. Or right now, you know, it's typical when they're 10 mm-hmm. to act like that on the plate. When really we're now seeing that it's not so typical and that these are these are manifestations of depression. Do you think we're going to be – we're oversensitized now, so now we're, we're probably going to – peg it even sooner even if it's not like something that a child sleeping in could seem like depression or they could be 14 sure or they could just have had football practice yesterday and everybody so i guess you have to just you have to be wise there sure well there's a couple triggers that we can kind of put out there that help us see that it might possibly be different than okay. yes. a late night playing football or you know, we have a son, he just turned 12. I noticed that he likes to do things now that he didn't like to do yeah. when he was 10. Things mm-hmm. are changing. A few of those, most doctors, most therapists will say that a children that a child has to feel or express feelings of self or, or excuse me, of worthlessness. Okay. So if they're expressing worthlessness. Yes. On, I'm no good. I'm yeah. stupid. I'm no good at that. I can't do that. Most doctors will say that has to be present for a child really to be suffering from depression. Interesting. Okay, so that self-deprecating yeah. feeling, right? right? A couple other things. It has to last for an extended period of time. Okay. So your son or your daughter sleeping in for a couple of days, or even you Whatever. know, they're sleeping in. Yeah. It's Saturday. They know they don't have to go to school, so they're doing it. Yeah. That's different than hitting a month mark where they are continually exhibiting the behavior. That's in- okay. Yeah. So we want that. Another thing is it's got to get in the way of life. School, play, everything. So if it's impacting life, right? sign something's going on. Right. If they don't, you know, I hate to use snap out of it because that's kind of what parents say when they think kids are faking it. Yeah. It's like, hey, snap out of it. Yeah. And that's not always true. But it really is that. If, if they don't kind of snap out of it, if the Saturday becomes Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, then we're starting to Something's have Something's going right? on. And a lot of the symptoms are very similar to what you've already discussed in adults. Um, that empty mood irritable moods, no interest in the things they used to love. They Mm. lose their interest in their activities. Uh, Their appetite and body weight one way or the other, the sleeping patterns you mentioned, being agitated all the time. That has something or could be fatigue, loss of energy, that difficulty concentrating when they start to struggle in school especially might be a trigger. I mean, that's funny. Oh, they just got a learning disability. and We we don't know what we, we should do, but then we discipline them and take their phone away and do all these things. But- but Which that, might just make it worse. Sure, that's not the root. So, but those three things we can look at: that self-deprecation, lasting an extended period of time, yeah. right, and then also that last one, if it's getting in the way of living their life, that takes it to a different level than just developmental, you know, child developmental stages. Sure. So we can see that. Once again, we're talking with Heather Ann Johnson. She's a an educator here at Brigham Young University. She teaches. She's an adjunct faculty member. And for the last year, she's been teaching students the principles behind successful families, importance of families, spending time together. She's teaching us today what to be looking out for with our children that might be showing signs of depression, right. what we should do. Yep. So there's, so I guess that's us figuring out, okay, I think something's going on here. Then what? What do you suggest we do? So if that's what we think, you've already mentioned getting help. Yeah. But before or as we're deciding to make that commitment, a couple things. Recognize depression is a disease. And you've covered that today. We, We hear that. We understand it. But we really need to internalize it. The reason we need to do that is as parents, once we internalize that it's a disease, we stop blaming. Yeah. Blame in any relationship is not going it's to help not, in our marriages, good. in our parenting. So we want to start blame, stop blaming ourselves. And it brings compassion. So it, if I know somebody has a disease, I'll have compassion for them 
and not blame him instead of just being a you know right on him all the time right? or right. snap out of it so we take away that blame and you know we, we don't blame someone who broke their leg and needs help opening yeah. a door come on you wuss right there's try a, harder yeah it's exactly right there's a problem here right. so we want that compassion so we'll stop blaming them and we'll stop blaming ourselves the other thing is when we understand that it is a disease we won't uh, assume they're doing it on purpose. You're trying to get me. Right. <laughs> you're just being de- lazy today, right? <laughs> Your depression makes me so mad. <laughs> you just don't like basketball. You can't so stand true. on the lawn. I know that. And so that takes that out of it. And so all of a sudden, we can treat and help them get treatment because we understand it's a disease. Right. So we want to do that. The next thing is we can't freak out. As parents, we immediately go, oh. Breathe. Breathe. We We've got to take yeah. a deep breath. We need to be advocates for our children. And if we're freaking out, we can't be their advocate. Right. We can't. We lose We lose sight of that. You know, statistics show that 80% of kids who are diagnosed with depression heal. They recover. That's so great. But they can't recover even if their therapist is the best there is. They can't recover if their parents aren't being supportive. Yeah. So deep breath, in and out, you know, count to 10, whatever we need. Quit freaking out and let's take care of what needs to be taken care of. And learn. Just learn. I mean, if it didn't work freaking out... By about the 90th time, right. <laughs> learn. You'd it's not going to work stop. next time, it's the ex- 91st time. It's exactly right. Man. And so, again, we are getting them help, but along with this is being their advocate. And that means fighting the fights that they don't quite have the strength to fight yet. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going on. They need help with this. So go with them to school. Go with them to coaches. Go with them to friends and parents, wherever you need to yeah. go yeah. to build that solid foundation so that they know they have a constant support and advocate right behind them. I love that. I've seen um, – I, I, what I try to do is have and recommend is that you move the issue, depression, out of the from being something that's in between you two that causes both of you to fight about it. Move it out from between you, pull them in closer to you, and talk about it out there. Awesome. What you've got is this thing out there. It's this depression. And we look at it together, and then we can look at the other side, and it's got to impact you this way, and it impacts us this way. And what do we want our future to look like? But by not having it between us, it's it's a subtle thing, but the minute you're talking about it out there, but you're together working on it, even if you put it on a whiteboard. Right. When I work with people, I just sit down and I always have a piece of paper between us and we write on it together and I'll have them write stuff and I'll write stuff on the paper. But it makes the issue not – it's not between us. It's ours to work on. Sure. Powerful. Instead of, again, pointing fingers, it's yeah. your fault. That's right. And that compassion, that's absolutely going to help, right, yeah. when we're getting help to it's, pull it out. Does this – it's 80%. What was that statistic? 80%, 80%. heal. Heal. And heal, healing might just simply be we're learning to cope with it better. Sure. I mean, you still may have – you'll have it. Right, right. But you now might know how to cope with it better. You're figuring out that you need certain you know, minerals, vitamins, whatever. Right. It's cool. But again, it won't happen unless we – Calm down. Right. And just like you said, you know, make it a problem you're both fighting. Right. Not defining you, yeah. but instead outside of you both. And I love that idea of looking at it. Yeah. Look at it from outside together. It's so powerful. And it's, by the way, that works in everything. So if you, as a husband and wife, are arguing about how to treat your child's depression, which happens too. Sure. So this will tear a whole family apart. We need to medicate them. We don't need to medicate them yet. Let's just let them exercise first. Let's see. And those fights too. We can get everyone and outside and put it outside of us so it's not killing us. To deal with that, right? It's huge. What else? Okay, so that's getting them help, right? We, we've done that. We recognize kind of what we need to do and we're going to get them help. But it's great to talk about some things that we can do to build them up before depression necessarily is taken over. Yeah, because in the end – 
and, and maybe let's do this. Let's hold that. Let's take a break and hold that and come back for what we should do, you know. Because we can't say that we can guarantee it's not going to happen. Yeah. But there truly are things we can do as parents to build a self-worth uh-huh. that will give them the strength they need to possibly avoid it a little better. Well, and if it's not depression, it could be anxiety right. or attention deficit disorder or eating disorders or any other type of disorder. Sure. So I'm going to bet just because I know how you roll. That it's going to help us all the way around, yeah. right? You're so balanced, Heather. <laughs> Heather Ann Johnson's her name. MS. MS. Lots of years in school, MS. MS, yeah. master of everything. <laughs> We're going to take a break. More when we come back. Uh, more with Heather Ann Johnson and her website, again, familyvolley.com. Familyvolley.com. Go check it out. She'll give you one billion activities that you and your kids and family could be doing. <laughs> and by the way, some of these would probably be very good to be doing if, if you have depression as well. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are taking on depression, giving you the tools and the leg up to help you and your family combat this disease, this disorder, this problem that we call depression. We brought in a lot of experts today, but the the crowning jewel of the depression expert team we brought. Is that uh, a crown you want to wear? I don't know about that. I don't know. It didn't sound like it was such a great thing. <laughs> Heather Johnson's joining us. Heather Johnson is a uh, an adjunct professor here on campus. She likes to uh, eat cookies and sleep in. Sure. I made that up. <laughs> I doubt you sleep in. I don't in. like either of those things. I bet you don't. Um, <laughs> go to her website, familyvolley.com. Family Volley. It's a name we're still working on. Matt's not so happy with it. I love it. I just don't understand it. <laughs> so it doesn't just naturally to me apply to you, but it does. It does. Because you wrote a book called? Uh, Family Fun Fridays. Family Fun Fridays. Which is based off of the blog every Friday for about the first three years of you know the blog being in existence. Every Friday I posted a new gamer activity for families to do together. Killer. So the, the book is a culmination of all of those activities. Lots of new fun stuff. And the book they can get on familyvolley.com. They can, yep. Can they get a bunch of free ideas? Sure, they can. Yep. You type in, you know, Family Fun Friday or even Family Activities and you, I mean you'll have them till you die. Well, some of them may actually they, expedite they the process. Did. <laughs> I know you've tried a few. And, <laughs> I have. And it, they took your life. They were close. It, did, it took my hammies. <laughs> they did. I pulled my hammies doing Matt, some of your fun activities. You suggest stretching before I do. some of them. I highly suggest at least focus on the hamstring. <laughs> some yoga. Yeah. People die. But what I think is cool about it is those activities in and of themselves, they won't just change your child if mm-hmm. they're depressed. But you've got some other tools for us today, the kind of uh, other guides, other things sure. we should be doing. With our children, if we think they might be suffering from depression. Right. And even even if they're not to the point where we suspect it, doing these things can give them the tools they need 
to fight off depression if it threatens them. Yeah. And so this is powerful. We're going to focus on building a healthy self-worth. Yes. Believing in ourselves. And this gets really tricky. We have to remember that our worth is acquired. It's not inherited. Yeah. We, we're not born with our self-worth. We really have to acquire it. You're born of worth. Right. But as a human, that pernicious, nasty mind of yours needs to create its own belief in ourselves. Yeah, your own belief in yourself. Right, that self-worth we're looking for. So we're going to gain that really through experiences. And a family setting is the very best place yeah. for these experiences. A healthy one, especially. A healthy one. Yeah. We should disclaimer. Yeah, it needs to be healthy. Some <laughs> some families don't really, they're not conducive to, right. to healthy self-worth. Right. But a healthy family is conducive to that. So here are some things we can do to build a child's self-worth. Whether we're, we're suspecting depression or not, yeah. we still need these things. The first is this parents, we've got to be responsive. This means that when our children give us cues that they need something, we need to respond to them. Pay attention. Pay attention. We got to turn things off. Put technology really is, you know, our biggest Mm -hmm. suck as a parent. It sucks our time and our energy. But we need to listen to those cues and respond when they cry, when they're hungry, when they need help. Uh, Even things like telling them or promising something to them, we need to follow through. Or if we say we're going to pick them up at 9, we need to be there at 9, not 9.30. When my kids, when they say, when I say, yeah, let's do that later, they know. Right. Okay. Right. So never? Never. (laughs) Uh, Later always means never, right? Later does mean never. So we want to make sure we're responsive. Now, here's some interesting things. Responsiveness also means to show love. We've got to show them love. And there's great research now that suggests that children need a minimum of eight touches a day from a parent. Holy cow. They need 12 if the child is struggling with something. So if there's Do a stress really? or, a, or a school situation or soccer scaring them because it's new or different or the team is extra hard, we go from eight to 12. Okay. Here's a question. You ready? Yes. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. What if, um, Heather, what if, I don't, what if I don't like to touch? It's tricky. I know. Deal with it. It's exactly right. It's your child. Deal with it. It's exactly right. Here's the thing, though. When we hear the word touch, we think that it has to be a hug or it doesn't. We're not saying that my 12-year-old has to, you know, sit on my lap and watch TV or, you know, read a story. That's not what we're saying. Um, Ruffling our son's hair, Mm -hmm. putting my hand on his shoulder as he walks past. Any of those things High fives. Anything. Tickles. Anything. anything. Right. So find something you're comfortable with and reach out. I've seen this in unbelievable ways as our children get older. You know, our son is the oldest. And like I mentioned, he just turned 12 two weeks ago. Naturally, you touch your children less the older oh, yeah. they get. Oh, yeah. The affection you don't show it the uh-huh. same way. And I know he needs it. He'll come up to me out of the blue and he'll put his arm around me. Mm-hmm. And I'll immediately go, oh, I'm not reaching out enough because oh, yeah. he's had yeah, to now reach he's, out. He's, he's coming to you. Right. Dads do that with daughters because then all of a sudden they're little women and you're like, oh, boy, got to be careful. <laughs> it is. And so then you pull away. But these girls notice that. They do. So you almost you don't want to pull away. Until they're almost pulling away. Right. So when they're mature enough to know, then you pull away. And even as adults, you know, I think of my relationship with my own dad. When I, you know, when we go over to his house for Sunday dinner or to say hello and I walk in the door, he puts his arm around oh, yeah. my shoulders Absolutely. and says, hey, Heather, how are you? So we really need to pay attention to those mm-hmm. things. A couple other ways to be responsive. We want to be responsive at some key times during the day. It's very important that we're responsive the first five minutes our children wake up. Huh. Five minutes when they walk in the door from school or from where they've been, but in particular school, and the last five minutes of the day before they get in bed. Okay, I call those transition points. Right. Because we're now – it's the most natural time to be attentive, Mm -hmm. right? 
they, they won't remember what you did the next 30 minutes. Right. But they'll remember if you were there when they woke up, there when they got home, mm-hmm. there when they went to bed. Right. Those crossroads yeah. that are so powerful. And it's really easy. I know as a mother, as my kids wake up each day or I wake them up to say, wake up, get up. We got to go. Let's go. And, yep. and I'm out of their room and I'm hoping they're putting the clothes on that are right. <laughs> you know, we really need to spend some time those minutes. So that's a really good place to be responsive. The other thing that our research is starting to show is that every day children need at least one eye to eye conversation with a parent. One a day. Now, we think of the number one, and it's like, oh, that's easy to do. But think about yesterday. Was it easy? Did it really happen? Go through your kids. And see. And eye-to-eye conversation. When you say eye-to-eye, that's two eyes. It is two eyes. Two eyes to two eyes. (laughs) Right. Right. My eyes to their eyes. I can get one eye. (laughs) Don't blink. Don't close one. Right. No eye patches. We want to go two eyes to two. That's good. That's great So we've got to be responsive. And there's lots of ways to do it. But I know it's helpful for me when I think about those things and I'm trying to be more responsive to think, you know, has it been one touch today or or none? Or am I I getting where I need to be? Is there eight? So count if you need to and and it'll become natural. Let's just say you fall short and you hit seven. Oh, wow. Well, it's okay. Cause it's seven it was, times better than yesterday. That's exactly right. Yeah. So it, it's kind of that, you know, shoot for the moon because you'll yep. still fall among the stars when we that's fall great. short. Okay. The next one for building self-worth is having confidence in ourself. And what I like to call is a self-check. 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 So our kids are looking at us almost like a mirror. And when they look at us, they're going to see how we act and they're going to mimic that. Yeah. If we don't have confidence, we're not saying perfection, but if we don't demonstrate confidence in what we're doing and the right attitude and the yeah. right, right way to communicate and the right way to handle difficult situations or arguments, they're going to learn wrong it's things. It's huge. huge. If you don't have the confidence to uh, take someone on that needs to be taken on, right. take your food back at a restaurant, if you don't have the confidence, you're going to – it's going to seem like it's scary. Right. And then it will be scary to them. And we're teaching them that. We're teaching them those things. They will form their views of their future as a result of what they see in us. It's huge. So they'll look at us and say, that that is essentially who I will become. And so we need to be really careful of that. Here comes the self-check part. Take just a couple minutes and sit down and think about all the things your parents did to build you up. Even make a list. And then on the other side, write down all the things your parents did to put you down. Interesting. Now, this is tricky because yeah. it's hard to face up to the fact that sometimes maybe our parents did things that hurt our feelings or not quite right. Right. Are we giving this list to them? No. Okay, good. No. And in fact, Just what we're doing easier. is we're not holding grudges no. against our parents. But we're, we're seeing the real data. Right. Because that's going to show us where we're going to fall in a sense. So yeah. we're not going to hold grudges against them. We're going to simply use it as information and say, you know what? I love that my mom did this. Yeah. Not so fond yeah. of that. Yeah. Get rid of the not so fond. Grab a hold of the things you love and do those love with that. your kids. Do those. I love that. I call that the what works list. So let's just talk about what worked with mom and dad and what didn't work so well with right. mom and dad. And you again, know. we're not giving them the list. We're not, no. you know, reevaluating our relationship mm-hmm. or if we're going to spend Christmas we're together. We're not going to take no. them out of the wheel. <laughs> no, we're, we're not. not going to. Because <laughs> you know what? Our kids will write that same list and right. we don't want them to kick us uh, out of the wheel either. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to write my kids list. For, for them, them. right? Sure. I do everything for them. There won't be any bias <laughs> no, in no. that list either. In that list either. So have that confidence and self check. And while we're talking about mirrors, let's go on to the next one, and that is reflecting the positive. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do here is recognize that a child's self image comes not just from how they feel about themselves, but how they think others. Feel uh, about them. Social mirror. What others right. are reflecting. That's exactly right. That's huge. So as parents, we want to make sure that we are reflecting 
beautiful things back to them. When they look at us, do they see a face that is excited to hear their story from the playground? Do they see a face that demonstrates in actions that they're fun and that they're loved and all of those things? Or do we reflect all the negative? Do yeah. we reflect, you know, boredom at the story? And are you, you know, still talking? It's exactly right. Or do we are we quick to reflect all the things they did wrong during the day instead of all their strengths and their, you know, positives? So we want to make sure we're reflecting back all those positive things. That is that's it seems how they so see them. Hard, but that is so basic. So basic. So we want to make sure that they understand all the good and see it from us all the time, all yeah. the time, all the yeah. time. Right? And what it's um, again, you can fall short of that, right? But if you've done it five days, or just trying, yeah. if we're just trying, fifty percent more right. is a hundred percent better. It's exactly right. I don't. I, I the way, the math may not add up. But <laughs> talk about we've got about one minute. Okay. What do you think? What What else? What else? What else would you say is maybe the one thing that might pull the most weight? The, sure. You know, we have to help our kids find success. Yeah. We've got to let go of, for example, uh, maybe we grew up playing baseball and so our kids are going to play baseball. What if they can't stand baseball? Yeah. Then all of a sudden their self-worth, it, it just drops because yeah. they don't like the same things. We really want to make sure that we help our children find something that they love and are good at. And then we want to praise the heck out of them. Not if they win or lose, yeah. but not praise outcome. the effort. Yeah, right. Out- Always effort, the effort, not effort outcome. Right, that they're putting in. So I would say if we're looking for something, it's letting go of our own agenda, seeing our children again in that mirror for what, what they're reflecting back, yeah. who they really are, and helping them find something that they're good at. And then by all means, help them be good there. That's right. right? Well, And then, then it's – to me, that's easy money to spend. Right. Because you see the talent growing. You see the confidence growing. Well, and this is where they develop their own identity and mm-hmm. find their self-worth in these other things. If we don't help them do that, especially once they hit teenage years, they're going to go find self-worth in, in groups or activities that aren't so great yeah. because that's who will accept oh, them. so true. So we can't run that agenda. So that's probably the one. That's help beautiful. Them. And then also, I guess, don't look at um, – we, we always kind of only have a few categories. Either they're a musician, they're an athlete, right. they're smart. Right, right. It's one of those things. But in reality, you could also be just a really good leader. Right. You could be a, a builder that ha- you could be really social or a great have friend. friends. Exactly. Right. And Beautiful. be open to all of those things. Be open to that. <sighs> Heather Ann Johnson. Go check out her website, Family Volley. Familyvolley.com. She's the bomb. I don't know if you know this, but she had 17 more pages of stuff to teach us. <laughs> 17. She's the most prepared <laughs> contributor we've ever had in the history of the Matt Townsend Show. <laughs> And she's got all of that on her website, familyvolley.com. We're going to be back. Heather's going to stick around. We're going to play a game, What Makes You Happy. I always call it a game. It's never really a game. But we're going to talk about what makes you happy. And I'm going to guarantee you, James Birdsall, what makes him happy? Maddie. Maddie Richards, who's not here today. (laughs) So he's sad. We're taking a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show right back here, trying to make you happy, dealing with depression right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. There's the hoedown music. And whenever we play hoedown music, that means we're wrapping up the show our own Sean O'Neill is joining us, and Sean, uh, what, what, what do we call? What do you call him again, James? Laddie. No, what do you, what, Sean? Sean O'Neill. 
There it is. That's the leprechaun talk. Uh, again. Uh, but here's the deal. As we get into this final, final moment together, just, you know, from us to you. We've been talking about depression today. And so now we'd like to talk and maybe take a happier look or a look at the happier side of life. So what makes you happy? If you want to share something with us, give us a call, 1-855-CHAT-BYU, 1-855-242-8298, or tweet us, what makes you happy? Just tweet us, at BYU Radio. We're going to go around the horn here in the studio and see what makes our staff so happy. Bing! Let's start with the boys in the bubble. Okay. Can I go first? Please, Aaron. Okay, I don't know if anyone else knows what these are, but they used to have these things called the Nestle Wonder Balls. And they had chocolate, and inside there was toys. When I got those as a kid, I, that wow. was like instant happiness. Oh, my god! So it's gosh. a chocolate orb chocolate with orb. toys inside you it. You unwrap it, you eat the chocolate, but inside mm. the chocolate you eat, there's like toys you don't eat unless you want to get sick. <laughs> That made me happy. That's in a wonder ball. I yeah, like what's, that. Yes. Jeez. Hold on. Why have I never seen these? Because you don't treat your kids to good things, Matt. Come I guess on. I just don't you play with your Pokemon. kids. Are miserable because <laughs> you're later turned into never. Oh, <laughs> it's not so happy oh anymore. All right. Maybe, maybe it's because we hate chocolate. No, chocolate. you're allergic to it. Maybe it's I'm allergic to chocolate. That's great. So we call that the Nestle. I don't know if they make them anymore. The Nestle Wonder Ball. Sounds wonderful. That was wonderful. Okay, Mike's turn. Okay, Miguel. I, you know, I thought. Well, hold this on, was is like that Mike Pond? Question. Yes. <laughs> Are you still here? Yeah, I'm still here. He comes and goes. I was trying to think of what really, you know, brings me joy, and I was thinking one of the things that really uh, makes me happy is spending time with people that I really care about. Oh wow! Not to, yeah, that was incredible. Thanks, Mike. You're, you're welcome. <sighs> Mike, you've already got a girlfriend. You don't need to play for the audience anymore. <laughs> that was just such a not what you were squishy. looking for, was it? <laughs> well, he does it every time. Went from Wonder Ball to that, yeah. I like playing hockey. Okay, there we go. That's hockey makes funny. me happy. Yeah. So we have Wonder Ball and hockey. How about you, Mr. Birdsong? Well, other than the obvious Maddie Richards, um, <laughs> other than her, yeah, um, I would have to say uh, cuddling with a fluffy cat. That just makes me happy. I really like that. You weren't expecting that, were you? Were you? Nope. Nope. Uh-uh. No, I have, I have a big American long-haired cat. Not only is he super fluffy, but he's really fat too. A fat, super fluffy cat. Yeah, and just sitting down on a chair with him and having him purr like a B-62 bomber. I don't even know if that's a real plane, but like a... Uh, uh, they don't actually purr. <laughs> Wait, they don't? No, they kind of grind. <laughs> what? It sounds worse than a purr. No, but they, they have that, you know, the that's what my cat sounds like. I think I probably should get that checked out. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think your cat's got asthma. <laughs> you might want to look into that. Does he have an inhaler? I probably should or get an one engine. Of those. He's yeah. got asthma or an engine. Yeah. Jeez. No, but I, I love that. Every that time I get to go home. And, cat. Yep. Well, see, that's, let me just tell you, because you're a single guy. Okay. That's what your family's like. That's what it's like when you go home to your wife and you cuddle and she just purrs like a kitten. <laughs> Or like a bomber. Or like a B-52 <laughs> bomber. Uh, wow, this is going sideways. We're, as we go sideways, Sean, have you got uh, a happy moment? What brings uh, happiness to well, the Well, I think James's cat is allergic to cats, hmm. but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, for me, cooking. Yes, I know you do. I love preparing meals, and, and I like sitting down, watching cooking shows, and then going and trying 
to duplicate the recipe. Yes. It's a lot of fun for do me. Do you really like that? I do. Yeah. In fact, tonight I think I'm going to go try and make shrimp risotto at home. Wow. That's so a good we'll, we'll see. Bring some in tomorrow if it turns out. <laughs> only if it turns out. Yeah, only if it turns out. Only we'll see. But no, that's that's kind that of my happy good. activity besides, you know, all the family stuff. But is, is, is the happy part cooking or is the happy part eating? Or is it the whole Both. thing? Is it? Yeah. I like enjoy the, cr- the work I like of the creativity it. of yeah. it. Yeah. Because I get the eating side's great. Mm-hmm. And then have you ever eaten with a little furry cat next to you? Uh, no. Purring like Thank a B-52? No, I have a dog that runs around the bottom of the table, though. Yeah. So that's the difference between the dog and the cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and plus your dog doesn't have asthma. True. Uh, so, Heather, help us. Give us something that makes you happy. You know, I've got a, dis- a disclaimer again. Obviously, kids and my husband, number one. Okay. But so you're going to go there. Okay. I know. When we're not getting squishy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. A really good workout. What do you mean? I mean, like, I love crossfit and really? a really good when you just you think you could die but then you don't that makes me happy so a near-death workout experience yes, a lot of just sweat and hard work do you good. lose consciousness no no that's too far that's you've passed the line but you can be close yeah. and still be happy if you're close to losing consciousness <laughs> or oh, jelly bellies just... jelly bellies make me very happy well those seem like they're opposite things they're op- they're they're opposite in a lot of ways but see if you near what? death experience then you yeah. can have all the jelly bellies you want so if i had i don't know a pocket full of warm jelly bellies <laughs> oh my god and they have to be original jelly belly okay, brand so they what, can't what's be what's your favorite flavor uh bubblegum really mm-hmm. it's the pale it's the i like pale the popcorn pink. flavor <laughs> see we can still be friends but just barely if you, that's your favorite you don't that's, like that no not caramel. a savory jelly bean. No. Caramel popcorn mm. I could do, but regular? I'm more wow. fruity. I'll take a fruity over kind of the savory any day with candy. Mark that down. Yeah. Write that down. Just we need to remember uh, Heather is more fruity than savory, <laughs> <laughs> which is a great – put that on your website. Yeah, I should. Uh, my favorite thing on earth, traveling. Mm. I mean I don't actually like to travel. I just like to get out of town. And be in my car. There's a there's a part of I-15 because we always end up going to like St. George, which is a town about four hours south of here. And uh, I drive and on this road, there is this bridge, an overpass I go under. And the minute I go under this certain overpass, nirvana. My head opens up. Clarity. I hear angels sing. I hear angels, a chorus of angels. Pretty much like that. Have you ever driven on I-70 through Colorado? Yes. Mm-hmm. That is a wonderful drive. Wonderful drive. See, I, Rocky Mountain High. Oh, so good. Rocky it is Mountain beautiful. High. Everything about it. See, so there's good things in the world, folks. Even if you've got depression, we can still find the good. We hope the show's helped you at least understand depression a little bit better. Heather, thanks for being here. It's great to be here. Thanks. You rocked it. You rocked it. And you are savory. Not, you are sweet, <laughs> not just savory. Uh, hey, here's a quote for you from John Lubbock. What we see depends mainly on what we look for. Real big key to depression. Be sure to tune in every day, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Mountain Time for the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks so much for being here. This is BYU Radio.